We're a diverse community of ordinary people following Jesus. And we're learning, we're living, and we're delivering the good news of the kingdom. And we're doing that together. So that's, that's part of the challenge of diversity. Uh, when you're not the same, you have to learn how to live together. And when you're not the same, you, you learn differently. And when you're not the same, you kind of go about tasks differently. But this message of the kingdom that Jesus brought was to every tongue, every tribe. And so the, these, the, the church really ought to be a cluster of very different people gathered together with one thing in common. And that's loyalty to Jesus. And then everything else we work out because of who he is and how he changes our lives. So that's who we want to be. That's who we're striving to be. We have a great message. Part of that is what, just living that. We, and just that's, we're delivering a message to our neighbors and to our nations. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. And so these extraordinary deeds. I would say uh, what, what we're doing for Martha, that would be an extraordinary deed. To be kind to someone that's lost something there. That's, just, that's, that's extraordinary. To think, of some, to think of others rather than just self, that's extraordinary. And then sometimes there's words. It, we, we really need, our deeds need to speak louder than our words. And we do that until everyone and everything comes out of the dignity and the power of the rule of Jesus. So his kingdom... It's been something that has been on the pages of history. It's on, the, it's on the pages of Scripture, beginning in Genesis, going all the way through Revelation. But during the Advent, during the coming, is when that kingdom was introduced in a new way on planet Earth. And we've been looking at the Word became flesh and lived among us. And this morning, we're going we're to kind of go with John again. John, John saw the glory. John saw the glory. And, and if I could just say that, you know, as I've been kind of thinking my way and reading my way and, and talking with you and encouraging you to read John 1, I would like to say that everything, all, all the announcing and the, the, the grand, grand scheme that John is bringing to us and then how it's being lived out with John the Baptist and the first disciples, everything that's happening in John chapter 1, I think it comes down to the, these two words. John saw. And he says we saw, but, but again, he's using the plural and he's really saying, I saw. I saw. So what John is really telling us in the announcement that he's bringing to us through this good news is, I had an experience that I'd like to tell you about and invite you into because I want you also to see. John saw the Logos. He, he saw the Word. He saw the light. He saw the life. He saw the one of a kind, totally unique Son of God. He saw the Messiah. He saw the Lamb of God, and we're not out of chapter 1. At the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 1, God expressed himself. That personal expression, that word was with God and was God. 
and he existed with God from the beginning. All creation took place through him, and none took place without him. In him appeared life, and this life was the light of mankind. The light still shines. The light still shines in the darkness. And the darkness has never put it out. The darkness will never put it out. The darkness cannot comprehend it. And the darkness cannot extinguish it. Darkness will not put out the light. So the word of God became flesh. Became a human being. And lived among us. And we saw... I saw, John says, we saw his splendor, the splendor as of a father's only son, full, overflowing, superabundance of grace and truth. Indeed, every one of us has shared in his riches. There is a grace in our lives because of his grace. For while the law was given by Moses... Grace, love, and truth came through Jesus Christ. It is true that no one has ever seen God at any time yet. The divine and only Son who lives in the closest intimacy with the Father, He has made Him known. The Word became flesh. In fact, if I just try to summarize, I'll try to summarize everything that John is saying before he gets to that phrase, the word became flesh. So this pre-existent, eternal, divine person who's distinct from the Father, who created everything, including light and life, that person became a man of flesh and blood. So someone outside of our universe stepped into time and stepped into flesh. He changed his nature, and I want to be careful with that because Jesus didn't ever stop being God. He did, however, enter a new condition. His his condition changed from being divine to being human, totally human, just like you and me. As Paul tells us later in Philippians, he who had always been God by nature, did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege, laid aside all his rights, consenting to be a slave by nature and being born as mortal man. And having become man... He humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying. And the death he died was the death of a a common criminal. Jesus entered humanity at the lowest level so that he can influence all of humanity from top to bottom. He entered in abject poverty, and he died the death of a common criminal. He did it by saying, I can affect, influence, touch all of humanity. 
And John is telling us, I saw his glory. The Bible uses glory, kavod in Hebrew, doxa in Greek, as the divine mode of being. You could, you know, the, God's essence is glory. God's essence, kavod, is heaviness. If, if uh, you think about it, out of me, and I have had very little contact with kings. So I, I don't hang out with royalty. Anybody hang out with royalty? The closest I've come is Susan and I went to visit Hampton Court in uh, London. And Hampton Court is, uh, was the home of Henry VIII. And so I met Henry VIII in the courtyard of Hampton Court. It was an actor, but he was dressed up like Henry VIII. <laughs> and so we toured the, the, you know, we toured the palace, and it's just like overwhelming. That I mean, it's yeah, wow. And then they, they had these little cameos of Henry's life, and one of the cameos was the disrobing of Henry VIII before he retired at night. And one of his assistants came and began to remove all of the garb, all the robes. And it was just this, re this reminder that the weight of a king, the, the wealth of a king, the weightiness of his robes, that's, that's, that's part of the glory of a king is his wealth and his robes. Well, Jesus, if you think about it, Jesus laid aside the glory of his kingship. He took off his robes. And he entered humanity naked. John saw his divine honor. He saw his divine splendor. He saw his divine power. He saw his divine radiance. He saw his magnificence. He saw his royal splendor. He saw his majesty. He saw his majestic power. And as John is looking, it's as like I'm looking at Emory and Hattie. I'm, I'm looking at them with, you know, my eyes are on them. But then if I closed my eyes, could I still look and see who they are in, in like the essence of who they are? So, so John is not saying that Jesus walked around on planet Earth. <laughs> like this really weird, like this light that's coming annoyingly through here and blinding you. It's, Jesus didn't walk around with that glow. That, that glow happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. But what John is telling us, he saw with his physical eyes, but in such a way that a supernatural impression was gained. So John's saying, I, I saw, I mean, I really saw who Jesus is. The doxa, the glory of Jesus, can be seen only by faith. You see, if we do not believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if we don't believe he's the word, if we don't believe he is the light, we don't believe he's the life, we don't believe he's the only unique Son of God, we don't believe he's the Messiah. We don't, we don't believe he's the... If we do not believe, we will not see this. But John encountered this. <laughs> and John, with everything that he is and was, writes down, I encountered and I believed. 
And really John, more than Matthew and Mark and Luke, that's his, that's his whole point. I'm writing this so that you would believe. That you would believe. And in this instant, by believing, you would see. You would see Jesus for who Jesus is. That with the eyes that are deep within, that you would see his magnificence. That you would see his royal splendor. That you would not just think, well, he's some guy that lives in poverty in the Middle East sometime 2,000 years ago. That you'd see his uniqueness. My friends, there's nobody that has shown up in history. There's nobody in human history like Jesus. Nobody. There, he's one of a kind. May we see that. John did. Do we see John saw that Jesus, yes, he's born of Mary. And yet he's begotten of God. And he's the only begotten one who shares the real nature of God. And only begotten is, that's a mystery because Jesus really wasn't begotten in the same. He has no beginning, he has no end. But he's the only unique one. There's no one like Jesus. And yet he stepped into time. And John saw that. And John saw that he was full and he was overflowing of grace and truth. There was a graciousness about Jesus. There was an attractiveness about Jesus. And John saw it. He was drawn to him. And being drawn to him, he found that there was this truthfulness about Jesus. And it was, he was totally dependable, reliable. That's why he believed. And so that, again, if we could see, if we could just get a glimmer of who Jesus is, it would not be hard for us to say, I believe. Because he's totally reliable. He's totally dependable. He's the visible expression of the invisible God. I think all of us have asked, well, what does God look like? Well, look at Jesus. And don't just get caught up in the person, but Jesus' attitudes, Jesus' actions... Everything that Jesus stood for, he's revealing God to us. So yes, we can know God. God has made himself visible on the planet. So we could know him. We could believe in him. We could trust him. And it would improve our lives. So as we go through this season, I've, I've just got to ask us. Because John saw... What is our focus in this Advent season? What are we gazing on? What catches our attention? What holds our stare? I'm one of those people, I'm really annoyed by the commercialization of Christmas. Now, I don't go to it to the extent that Ron does. I mean, Ron put a hole in the reindeer on, on, on top of Chick-fil-A. So that thing deflated. <laughs> I don't know how he did that, but I knew he did that. I just knew he did that. But, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Before there's Thanksgiving. I mean, in October, like Halloween, the Christmas trees are going up. And the whole, I mean, do we, I mean, like untethered mind... Not being, not people of the lie. I mean, we're being sucked into buying stuff and more stuff and more stuff that we don't need. You know, dang it. 
I mean, I'm real, my, my family decided on simple Christmas, which means we're just hanging stockings. We're not, we're not doing a gift exchange. It's not, there's nothing evil about presents. We like to give presents. But man, I want us to be caught up in seeing the presence of Jesus in our lives, in our home, with our families, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our nation, around the world. The presence, not the presence. That, that's what I want to see. Isn't that what, don't we want our focus to be there? You know, and if we don't have that focus, nobody else is going to have it. That's, one of the, that's how we contribute to the culture around us. Not being sucked into the culture, but being someone that influences the culture. Then that leads me to, you know, our, you know I, I'm confession. I've, I've read more of the words of Phil this week than the words of Jesus. And I've listened to conversations this week. Where people just are convinced that darkness is going to extinguish the light. And I just got to back up and say, wait a minute, time out. Let's read the story again. Light is never overcome by darkness. Am I concerned about cultural things? Sure. But am I going to keep my focus on cultural crises? Or am I going to focus on Jesus? Christ. Where's my focus going to be? Where's our focus going to be? That leads me, am I going to focus on darkness? Am I going to focus on light? Am I going to focus on death? Am I going to focus on life? Am I going to focus on sin? Jesus. The judge of all mankind became a baby so that we could all go to hell. Is that the message? I mean, did we all forget that we're sinners? I mean, I'll, I'll ask something back here. Did you, I mean, did these, did you, I mean, did you like keep track of something that we sang today? Thank you. He appeared and the soul felt its worth. When was the last time that we stood in front of a, I mean, just blatant sinner and in our conversation with that person that's really caught in bondage to sin, their soul felt its worth. Rather than, you dirty scumbag, get out of my presence. If Jesus knew what kind of woman she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. Her soul felt no worth from the religious, but from Jesus. Wow. Susan just brings me back this season, to the woman caught in adultery. Do you realize that the religious know-it-all, self-righteous Pharisees set up the whole, whole thing so they could catch the woman in the act of adultery? How embarrassing. How humiliating. 
Then they brought her out of the privacy of that moment into a public place and threw her in the dirt and said, hey, Jesus, we caught this woman. The very act of sin. And the law of Moses says we need to, we need to stone her. She's condemned to die right now. What are you going to do about it? Did you notice that Jesus didn't like, you know, puff his chest up and get up in their face, but that he knelt down and began to scribble in the dirt? Where was the lady? Where was the sinner? Who did he identify with? Man, if we cannot relate the people as the other line was, the slave is our brother. You see, God became a man to identify with people that were broken and lost and living in sin. And he has called you and I to do the same. Our message is not a message of condemnation. Our message is a message of forgiveness regardless of what you've done. It's a message of salvation. It's a message of life. Is this our focus in this Advent season? And what do we see when we look at Jesus? My hope is that as Jesus continues to show himself to be totally reliable to us, totally dependable, that we can, be, we can be confident that he's gracious, that he's attractive, that he's dependable. And in that faith, belief, we can see we can see his royal splendor here and now with an ever-increasing magnificence. So that when we gather week after week after week and we approach closer and closer to the day that Jesus will return and we will see his magnificence for all that it is, we would get glimpses of that now. And we would see Jesus the son of glory. How much glory were in this? That was in the songs today, right? To see him, to experience his royalty. And then finally, what do we see when we look at one another? I looked at Emory and Hattie earlier. Look at, let's look around the room. Look at each other. Out of a word book, the first man, that would be Adam, had a part of God's kavod. Kavod is the Hebrew word for glory. So Adam had a part of God's glory. And it was this radiance that was taken from him after the fall. The un, in, in the unfolding of salvation history, the, one of the aims of that is the restoration of God's glory within humanity. Now, Jesus reversed it. <laughs> but Jesus is showing us that in a human body, there can be the glory of God. There can be a radiance that comes through 
attitudes and actions. And then when you and I, as people of flesh and blood, when we say, yes, Jesus, we want to follow you. Yes, we believe you're the Son of God. We believe you forgive us of our sins. We believe and we want to be born of your kingdom. And the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within us. Guess what? The original creation design of human beings created by God with a bit of his glory radiating out of them because of their attitudes and their actions, it's being restored to the planet. When I look at you, when you look at me, do we see there's a bit of the glory of our God coming through how we're living life, what our attitudes are, what our actions are, do we see? John saw. Do we see the glory of God in our day? Would you like to stand with me? Would you take a moment and would you just be honest with Jesus and just admit to him what your focus is this season? What have you been focusing on? Just, just have a, a brief conversation. Jesus, I've been focusing on blank. Jesus, thank you that you can correct our vision. I think that I can speak for our community that we want to focus upon you. But we really get distracted so easily. So I ask Holy Spirit that you would come and that you would empower us for the rest of this Advent season and really all the rest of life if that's possible to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full. And Jesus, I pray that as we look upon you that we would see your graciousness. We would see your attractiveness. We'd see your dependability. We would see your royal splendor. We'd see your magnificence. That Lord, we would see you for who you are that we would bow in adoration and appreciation and dedication to you and to your kingdom purposes. And finally, Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves in the way that you see us. People of flesh and blood, yet those that belong to Jesus have, a, have an installment of eternity, of radiance, 
of your glory within us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> May we relate to one another as people of the King. And then, Lord, may we deliver to our neighbors your graciousness, your attractiveness, and your utter dependability. May your light shine brightly through us, and may we deliver your message of salvation, forgiveness to our generation. Empower us, Holy Spirit, in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So for those of you that will travel and we won't see you any, any other time this week, Merry, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, for those of you that you know, will come back together on Tuesday, we'll save that for then. But thanks for our time together. God bless.